There are some who call me Tim. Welcome, Valley of the Sun and around the world. Tim Jacobs here. Thank you for joining me on Live 360 with Tim Jacobs, your one-hour walk with God, your spiritual Zumba class. It is the thigh master for your soul. This is the show that demonstrates how a Christian worldview can transform every area of your life. You can go to timjacobslive.com and you can get any of the previous shows that we have done here on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. And you can also make sure you go to like my Facebook page. So go on Facebook and find Life 360 with Tim Jacobs and like the page because I'll have updates and it's another way for me to communicate with you. And I got to tell you, this has been an incredible adventure. You know, we've been on the air since November, started with a half hour, and the show just picked up steam fast. And in January, we started with an hour. So we've only had, an, we've only been on for an hour for maybe a month and a half or so. But in, the, in that small time we've been on the air, we've had the opportunity, I've had the opportunity to talk to some incredible people. I interviewed Kamal Salim, Islamic jihadist turned born again Christian, co-author of the book, The Coalition, that he wrote with General Jerry Boykin. I interviewed Stephen Mansfield, author of Mansfield's Book of Manly Men. You can find that interview as well on what does it mean to be a man. You can go back and hear that if you listen, if you go to timjacobslive.com. Ryan Bell, pastor turned atheist. We're going to have him on again as well and continue the conversation with him. Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason was on several weeks ago. Mark Golly, editor of Christianity Today. And by the way, I just want to tell you next week, I'm going to interview retired Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, author of the Pulitzer Prize winning book On Killing, teaches or taught psychology at West Point, former Army Ranger. If you saw American Sniper, the whole reference to sheepdogs and wolves comes from Colonel Grossman. So we're going to talk about killing people. That'll be interesting. But we're talking about war video games, um, desensitization, how all this stuff uh, takes place in our society, what, we, what, how our kids are learning how to kill, and what churches can do to protect themselves and other organizations can do to protect themselves from live, or from uh, active shooter scenarios and that sort of thing is what he does now. So that's going to be an awesome show next week. I tell you, we need this show now more than ever, though, because, you know, you just you get on you, you just get on the Internet and not a day goes by where you hear people saying stuff and you're going, are you serious? So today or actually, I'm sorry, last week, anchor CNN anchor Chris Como, he said this. This is, comes from CNS News that picked up on this. He was debating Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore on the constitutionality of same sex marriage. And during the conversation a, the anchor Chris Cuomo said this, and I quote, Our rights do not come from God, your honor, and you know that. They come from man. That's your faith, that's my faith, but that's not our country. Our laws come from collective agreement and compromise. And I hear that, and of course you know, my friends, that the Declaration of Independence states this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So I mean, right there in the Declaration of Independence, we're told that our rights come from God, not from man. Now what's the problem with rights coming from man? Well, the question is, who gets to choose? Who picks 
where the right, who picks what rights do you have? You know, in Nazi Germany, human rights were defined by men. How did that turn out? Goes on to say, freedom of speech was great in 1789, but we've evolved beyond that as a collective society. And you know, you're seeing this and you know that I'm not here to scare you, but I tell you, I hear these kinds of things and how if we evolve as a society, all of a sudden basic rights like free speech, like, well, they're not as important as, as, as they need to be or as they were at one time because we're in a different time right now. And I wonder then, because I, I look at this and I go, man, free speech is being challenged and you got to be careful what you say. And now there's net neutrality that's coming as, uh, as the government is now going to be, put, is going to be putting more and more restrictions on the internet. And I told my wife a while ago, I said, you know what, honey, just get ready. Cause I, I mean, as a pastor, as a Christian, as kind of an outspoken guy, I, I mean, I just know I'm going to, I'm going to end up in some government rat hole prison somewhere. And because I'm going to say something obnoxious, you know, I'm never going to change my perspective on same-sex marriage. I, I, I embrace uh, those who are homosexuals. I do. I just believe what the Bible says about, about same-sex marriage and, and that kind of activity. That's just where I am. And I'm never going to change that. I'm never going to change my thoughts on Jesus. And someday, if they make a law against it, I'm not going to change my mind. So just they're just going to throw me in the pokey and they're going to throw me in there with a lot of other people as well. And my wife's just going to... She's going to have to make a bunch of cake pops and bring them down and hand them over to the guards and we'll all just, you know, they'll be searched and everything. But that's just, I just thought, I said, honey, get ready. I don't know what's, because I'm not changing my mind. I'm not going to stop saying this. And we can't stop being people who say, look, we don't want to be jerks. We don't want to be um, arrogant and insolent and, and be people that just have that sharp edge. But we just have to be honest about what we believe. And if we start saying things like free speech is going to be limited because now man chooses the rights man chooses what rights we, uh, we have and not God, then wow, the, it's just a Pandora's box. We can, anything is possible. So um, anyway, just food for thought on that. Um, now here's what I want to do today because I'm very excited about this show today because I have two very good friends of mine on and actually more than just friends. These guys work with me at Compass Church because as you know, I am the lead pastor of Compass Church in the Wild West Valley of Goodyear, Arizona in particular, compasschurchaz.com. And we have something really cool going on over there because it's, it's like, it's organic, it's happening, it's growing. And we, we try to just be real with people. And I want to talk today about pastors because a lot of people think that pastors are of strange breed. And you know what? They are right. We are a strange breed. However, you can't really put us in a box. You can't really say this is the profile of a pastor because be honest. I mean, a lot of people think that pastors are basically old, they're crusty, and some of them are old and they are crusty, but you know, they don't know how to dress <laughs> and they're, they're kind of socially awkward and they're just, and they're, they, there's a separation between a pastor and the real world. And pastors have done this in the past. They, they've kind of dug themselves into this hole because we have separated ourselves at times from culture. We have separated the sacred from the secular. We have locked ourselves in the church offices, which is wonderful at our church. We don't have church offices. We did, but we we blew them up because we needed to make more space for kids. And so now we're, and we're doing some construction now and expanding things and at our, at our church campus in Goodyear. But 
people have thought that about pastors. It's like, can we? Can I really relate to that guy? Can he really relate to me? And so I want to I want to introduce you today to two pastors who are as real as it gets, who are on the journey. They're young guys, guys in their very early 30s, who are trying to live this life in a way that honors God and do it as pastors and real real men in this society. So I want to introduce today today two of my very good friends, Mike Zarati, who is our student ministry pastor at Compass Church, and Gabe Legaspi, who is our worship pastor. And so, um, guys, I want to welcome you to the show. I'm glad you are here. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Mike, I want to talk, I want to talk to you first of all. I want to just kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, you're a native of Phoenix. Yep. And uh, tell me just a little bit about growing up. Growing up in Phoenix, what was life like for you? Well, uh, this may not surprise very many people, but it was hot. Um, every summer. Very, See, this is what I'm talking hot. about, folks. You know, people expect pastors to be brilliant and always full of wit, and we are here to smash the stereotypes. That's what we're going to do here. We are iconoclasts today here at Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Mike, you you grew up, you went, where did you graduate? Where did you go to college? I went to Arizona Christian University. Actually, when I went there, it was called Southwestern College, uh, but now it's Arizona Christian, so I just call it that. Um, did you Did you like that experience? I loved it. Um, yeah, it's, in fact, it's where I met Gabe. Um, yep. A lot of the networking, a lot of the people that I've known um, throughout ministry have been uh, through ACU. A lot, great mentors. People taught me some awesome things there. I, I just wish I got better grades. You know, I uh, recently had to pull up my transcripts for graduate school and was really quite surprised. And, and this is the man with whom we are entrusting <laughs> our junior high and high school students at our church to the man whose one regret <laughs> was that he did not get better grades in, in, uh, in college. But um, now, where'd you meet your, your, your wife? Actually, I met her at Dairy Queen. Um, apparently, um, I looked pretty cute in my purple shirt with ice cream stains on it. I was a shift manager at Dairy Queen at Paradise Valley Mall. It doesn't exist anymore, but... Um, she worked next door at Zales and, um, you know, I was 18, she was 22. People kept telling me she liked me, but I was like, why? That's so, that so reminds me <laughs> of mall cop. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few of those there. They yeah, were... no, I know. But did you, uh, did, but you didn't ride on the, on the little scooter thing? No, I'm, I'm too old. They weren't invented yet. Oh, yeah. How old are you, by the way? I'm 31. That's what I thought. It's weird yeah. to say that I'm old because I don't feel old. But you're not really you're old. 31. No. You're 31. It's not old. And so, but you met your wife, Ginger. How long have you yep. guys been married? Uh, 10 years. We just celebrated 10 years. And you, you're, so you're our student ministries pastor. Yep. Mike, why, why are you in, why are you a youth pastor? Um, I'm a youth pastor because for some strange reason that I can only credit to God, I just love teenagers. Um, and I don't say that to knock them because um, quite frankly, I love them, but um, it's just weird. I get people all the time telling me, Mike, how can you do this? You know, God bless you for loving these kids. And I'm like, yeah, well, I wouldn't rather do anything else on the planet. So, so your, your ministry, what does that look like in a given week? What do you guys do? Um, well, it's simply put, we have three experiences. We have, um, an experience that's designed around growth. So that's our Sunday experience for junior high and high school. Um, Quite simply, it's all about relationships. Our strategy, we, don't, we believe the kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So um, we've developed a ministry. Um, it's not just a small group ministry. It's a ministry with small groups where uh, we train our people very specifically to build relationships with uh, other students. And then we have a uh, Tuesday evening experience, which we call our midweek. We did not reinvent the wheel with that one. 
um, our midweek. Uh, that title has been around for a long time in youth ministry, but essentially our midweek, we throw a ginormous party uh, every week. Um, we expect about 70 kids and, and uh, really um, in the past two two years, we've only had a couple of weeks where we didn't have at least one new first time guest. So we think our party's working. We love to just play the weirdest, craziest games on the planet. Um, we have a, a band. We have, we just fill that place with all kinds of fun and crazy stuff. And it's a lot of it is, is students whose parents don't go to our church. Oh yeah. Probably half. Yeah. At least. And that's, and that's what makes it so cool too, because yeah. you're not just, you're not just there to entertain church kids. Right. You're really there to reach out yeah. to, to, um, and I want to get into more of that later. I also want to introduce Gabe Legaspi. Gabe is our worship pastor at Compass Church. Gabe, tell me a little bit about you. Well, what would you like to know? I, I've been in Phoenix most of my life. Um, I was born in Spain believe it or not, because my dad was in the Air Force. And uh, we moved around a lot. We ended up in, in uh, Arizona. He was stationed at Luke. And my parents got divorced when I was about five, and we just kind of stayed. Yeah, so, and and so, and how, you've been, you've been kind of a musician all your life, and you kind of came up through the church as a, yeah. as a musician. Yeah, I was kind of raised by the church. Um, started playing the guitar when I was 13. A couple guys from the church taught me a few chords, and then I was in various worship teams and stuff throughout high school and whatnot. And that's kind of the, how I got plugged into music was through the church. And you talk a little bit about your life growing up. You said your parents got divorced and uh, what, what would that, what was that situation like for you? You, you had an interesting childhood. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not the normal story, but uh, my parents got divorced and uh, my dad was pretty much out of the picture in my younger years and my mom raised, I have two older uh, twin sisters, and um, she raised us, and we just kind of, uh, we kind of lived with her, and my mom really struggled with um, some depression, some some kind of manic depression, where she'd go from these extreme highs and lows, um, but my mom is an incredible person, very tough, tough as nails, mm-hmm. did the best she could, mm-hmm. and we just kind of grew up in this very chaotic home environment, but at the same time, she always made us go to church. So we were just kind of raised by the church. So you had this chaos going on in your life, but that church maybe was a constant for you. Absolutely. We wanted to go to church whenever we could. Any function that happened, Wednesday nights uh, with the uh, student ministries, we wanted to be there for that. Um, like I said, I, I remember, um, it's kind of a crazy thing. I don't know how much you want to get into this. But when I was in about the third grade, my mom pulled us, pulled us out of school. And uh, so I didn't go to school at all. It's just home, homeschool minus the school. Just home. Just home. Yeah. No, wait, wait hang on a second. So you're not, do you, do you realize what we have here? We got one guy who says, oh, I wish I would have got better grades in college. And the other guy just didn't go to school. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty crazy story. She pulled us out of school and, uh, my sister's very driven people. They actually, um, schooled themselves. Me being, they were kind of older. Um, they were like in junior high, high school age, and I was in grade school. I thought it'd be more fun to play video games, mm-hmm. so I did that most of the time. So you're very good at that. You don't want to play me in Street mm-hmm. Fighter at all. Really? At all. I'm very good at Street Fighter. A lot of hours logged in. All right. Now, and that's and that's one where you can get online? Can you get online and do that? No, this is before oh, that. Oh, this is old this school. Is, this, this is like, like two-dimensional video games? Two-dimensional, Super Those Nintendo, you know, <laughs> that's what I played. Yeah, because I can't, like, my son Ryan, he plays... Call of Duty and all that, and yep. I just go and he like I'll go into the the room and and he'll just, like cut my 
you know, sliced my neck or whatever. And I, out of the nowhere, and I, where do you talk? Like, where did you come from? I can't, I go, I don't understand three dimensional. You video should games. play him. I bet you he doesn't understand two dimensional. I would kill him. You, yeah. Pac Man. Play some combat from Atari. You, you can handle it. So I was just home all the time. Um, and like I said, the, the constant in my life was church. And, and the crazy thing was, you know, I'm not reading, I'm not doing anything. Um, but God keeps putting these people in my life through church. I had one family that was supposed to go to Russia to be missionaries. The uh, mother of the family got cancer. They couldn't go. So they said, hey, we really feel led. We're going to take you in for a year and school you. So they did homeschooling. They, they taught me, tried to catch me back up to sixth grade level. Mm-hmm. Um, then they were gone, and I didn't do school again for a while. I had uh, a guy in the church. He's, he's actually the guy who taught me my first three chords. He was a welder. He said, hey, why don't you come work with me? And he taught me how to weld. I'd spend all week with him just learning how to weld, learning how to hang. We just hang out, read the Bible, have fun, uh, do a lot of goofy stuff. And then there this was this is a, while you were supposed to be going to school. I was school. supposed to be in school. I'm like 12 years old at this point. Another guy, uh, Martin, taught me how to paint. I learned how to paint houses and things like that. Um, taught me how to play chess. Uh, there was just a bunch of men that God just kept placing in my life. There's mm. another guy, Ken, who, um, who was a big influence. He, we started hanging out, going to movies, going fishing. Neither of us ever caught anything. He's a terrible fisherman. Yeah. But he's hanging out with this 13-year-old kid, taught me how to play football, how to catch. And then he uh, he goes, you know, you should go to high school. You'd like it. I said, why not? You know, I'm not doing anything else. So <laughs> It sounds like it's a great idea, yeah, right? it sounds like fun. Then I started thinking about your future, yeah, he's maybe like, learning how to add yeah. might help. He's like, you like to act. You could do drama. You like to play football. You could, yeah. you could play sports and all so that stuff. So he's selling you on the idea of going to school. Right. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. You know? It sounds like a decent way to spend the day. So I do it. And uh, they make me um, take a reading test to get in. I scored college level reading. And I'll tell you the only reason why I did that is because when I was in junior high, I I didn't read. I I hated reading. The only thing I did read was the Bible. And in junior high, we had this thing called Bible quizzing where I'd memorize. So I memorized like the book of James, uh, Matthew and Romans. And so the only thing I ever read was the Bible. It's a pretty tough book. So I come in, I score college level reading. I go into high school. You know, what's amazing about that too is, is, and I've talked to other missionaries around the world about this, that, that where the Bible goes and takes root, wherever it is around the world, there is literacy. And that's the beauty about our faith is that it is a, it is, it is a literal faith. It is, but it is, it is bound by and driven by the word of God, the literary um, device of scripture. And, and you know what that does? That elevates culture. That elevates everybody because the people learn to read because they've got to read the Bible. They can't sit there all day and go, um, and they can't sit there and, you know, try not to step on a, fl- a fly or a gnat or, or a bug or whatever as they do in certain cultures of, you know, we got to, and they, and they sit and meditate. It's not emptying your mind. It's filling your mind. That is an amazing gift that, that not only Judaism gives, but Christianity to develop and drive society so they can become uh, they can have literacy. And then when they have literacy, they have thought. When they have thought, they have invention and they have freedom and they have all these kinds of things. It is, uh, and you, and in a micro level, you you saw that because if they really right. only read the Bible and then all of a sudden you come into high school, you do really well. Now, I want to let everybody know too that you're also a graduate yeah. of, of Arizona Christian University. Yeah. You, you met your wife there. Yep. We've been married um, eight years. And your wife, your wife had some challenges as well growing up. Yeah. She has an, a really interesting story. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to 
summarize quickly, but um, if you just imagine the the typical lifestyle of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that was her parents. Mm-hmm. She kind of grew up in that environment. Um, both of her parents died when she was real young. And you think of unchurched, that's basically her story. Well, like she, she, and she grew up in the Las Vegas Strip, right? In, well, near, near yeah, in Las Vegas. I, I think everybody from not from Las Vegas <laughs> thinks of Las Vegas as just a strip. But she grew up in Las Vegas. They have and, other houses around there. Yeah, too, there's yeah. there's a whole state that's there in the city <laughs> and things like that. But she uh, she grew up there and just totally unchurched, never had read any of the Bible. And, and I, I'd like to use this story a lot because when you talk about the power of God's word, mm-hmm. at her mother's funeral they read the 23rd Psalm, you know, the Lord mm-hmm. is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. She didn't even know us from the Bible, but she saw it in the pamphlet at the funeral and like memorized it and clung to it whenever she felt scared, whenever she, she was frustrated or alone or anything, she would quote that to herself, not even realizing it's from scripture. And it was this powerful thing that she had just always said. Well, she grew up and as she was in high school, you know, dealt with all, all kinds of the, the problems of Growing up without parents, yep. fighting against that, growing up in a culture that's that's pretty unchurched, and and just struggling. You know, she grew up in the projects, government mm-hmm. home, all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, with, with her parents. And when her her parents died, she moved in with her cousin. A little bit better life, but she was rebelling against things because of all those sure. those problems. Well, when she's in high school, one of her friends invites her to um, camp. She goes, "I I want to go to this church camp, but I don't want to go alone. Why don't you come with me?" She goes, "I have never been to church." not interested. She goes, well, just go because you're my friend. She convinces her. And she goes to the camp the first night they're preaching on the 23rd Psalm. Hmm. And she's just like, what is this? Is this what you guys read all the time? She goes, no, it's from the Bible. She's like, what's the Bible? You know, she's she's yeah. completely unchurched, doesn't yeah. realize that there's books in the Bible, that there's these things called Psalms and all these things. So she's just blown away by it. And that's that was kind of her foot in the door. So, and then she ends up at Arizona Christian University. Yeah. See, and I, what I love about that story, and uh, especially, is because you coming from a from a family that that was a lot of challenges. You didn't have a dad. You weren't going to school. Um, I mean, you had a dad, but they were he was far away and divorced, and 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 so you weren't going to school at all. But you had men in your life, and then you have and and the, and the church filled the gap. The church did what the church yep. is supposed to do. And the church had people there that looked out for you, cared about you and raised you now to now where you are, a, you know, a graduate, you are a, uh, you are, a, you work at our church as a worship pastor. You lead hundreds of people every week into worship and, and, but not only you, but your wife as well, the church and the gospel restored yep. you, 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 in other words, you and your wife, Jess are living better lives than your parents. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. We've got a daughter that's four. I've got a son on the way who's going to be born. And what's his name? Tim's real excited about this. His name's Ezekiel Timothy Legaspi. Did you? Did I want to the, make sure. The, say it again. Ezekiel Timothy Legaspi. Yeah. I just so, wanted to hear that. So that's his name. Middle names, folks. Middle names are what it's about. <laughs> his name literally means God strengthens and God's honor. Mm-hmm. So it's strength and honor. I really like that. Um, but... We're very excited. It's it blows us away. We look at our lives. We we have a, a house. We we have these these lives that we didn't really quite experience growing yeah. up. And our kids just have such different lives than either of us had. And it's just it blows us away. We're so grateful every time we, we even just think about it. But it's the something. it's it's the restorative 
power of the gospel of what is what happens. We talked about this with the, the literacy of, of the Bible coming in and, and it changes cultures, it changes communities, but it changes individuals. And Mike, I want to go back to you on this because you work with, with students. What, what are you seeing? And we just have a few minutes before the break and we'll pick it up afterwards. But what are you seeing um, when it comes to the, the, the students, the high school students, the middle school students that you are working with who come from unchurched families when they hear the gospel, are you seeing transformation in their lives? Absolutely. Um, man, this, some of the stuff we've seen over the past few years really has been the kind of things that you dream of seeing when, you know, you want to be a youth pastor, you're going to school. Um, you know, we, we have so many kids that we run into um, that are unchurched, a lot like what Gabe was just sharing about with, with um, his wife, Jess. And uh it's really amazing to us sometimes the stories that we get through our small group leaders or, or on a Tuesday night as some kid comes forward um, and we're, we're just blown away. Um, just an example, in the last couple of years, we've had two situations um, where we actually faced mandatory reporting issues, um, sexual abuse, stuff like that, um, that just came from a simple gospel message. Uh, one night a girl comes forward or a guy comes forward and just starts sharing all this information and they're compelled because the gospel has quite frankly made them realize that what's been happening was not right and it mm-hmm. wasn't something they deserved and so they sought help. And uh, so we have students um, in our youth ministry right now who um, who um, were abused and that person who abused them, um, they're in prison. Yeah, and so they're safe now. But what happened was it was their under like they heard the gospel and they said, you know what, I'm valued, I'm important. Yeah. There's yeah. something that that I, oh yeah, God loves me. Mm-hmm. He sent Jesus to die for me. This is not the kind of behavior. This is not the way that I should be treated. Right. That's and that's that's amazing. And that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of transformation we want to see. But you know, when we look at Gabe's story and and Jess's story and so many others, that that pivotal time of being a young person. That's why. That's why. Not just, not just church in general, but a church that really seeks to engage right. the community. Right. And that's one of the things when I came to Compass, quite frankly, there were people who, who really thought, well, you know, the, the student ministry is a place where I want my kid to basically be safe, my Christian kid to be safe and be insulated from the challenges of the world. And, you know, we had some people who kind of, who left our church because that's, they, they wanted their whole ideology of protecting their child from his or her peers to kind of rule the, the, the attitude and values of the church. And we said, you know what, that's not what we want our, for our church right. as a whole. We certainly don't want that for our student ministry. Now, you know, we, we, we have rules and we have uh, values and standards that yeah, we, that we want to, and when you have events and that kind of thing and people yeah. come, it's like, well, here's you're, you know, you're under our roof, you're going to live by our rules, so to speak. But we, we are a church that really, and you're a student ministry that really is trying to reach out for, for, uh, to, to all people. Uh, absolutely. So well, what we're going to do is after the break, uh, we are going to get into more of this stuff. I want to tell you, I'm talking with Mike Zarati and I'm talking with Gabe Legaspi, both awesome pastors. And we will be right back on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Hi there, Tim Jacobs here. I want to talk to all of my listeners living in the Phoenix area. And if you're like me, you're trying to stay active. And sometimes maybe your ego is writing checks that your body can't cash. And if you find yourself getting hurt, maybe you pulled something and you don't want it to sideline you, you need to go see my friends 
at ChiroFit. They are a full-service uh, chiropractic, massage, physical therapy, and they have locations all over the valley. They have one in Buckeye and in Peoria, Tempe. They just opened up another location in Avondale. Go to ChiroFitGroup.com. That's ChiroFitGroup.com. Or call them at 623-773-2000 and just tell them. Say, I'm hurting and I need help. And they will get right on it and you can go down there and you can start feeling better today. So again, ChiroFitGroup.com and tell them that Tim Jacobs sent you. Tim Jacobs here. Welcome back to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. I am in studio with Pastor Mike Zarati and Pastor Gabe Legaspi, both who are young men. One is 30, one is 31. And both young pastors do not fit the typical profile of a pastor. They're not old and crusty. They know how to dress for the most part. Uh, they didn't do well in school. So all the things that you think about with pastors, they have just broken the mold. Or they just and, didn't go to school. Or they yeah. just didn't go to school. But you did go to school. Yeah. And that's the thing. We, have, we, we actually very much do value education as sure. pastors. What, what, interestingly enough, you know, Mike, you're, you're ready to... to uh, get out there and go, to, and go to seminary pretty soon to get a master's degree. You'll be yep. pursuing that soon. Gabe, as our worship pastor, we have, uh, you have been going to Berkeley School of Music. And the challenge I, I gave you at one time, as I said, I, is just the worship pastor, I don't need you to, I, I want you to know scripture, but I want you to be the best musician right. we can possibly be. Just because you can play three chords on an acoustic guitar and, and you know, sing God of Wonders, that is not necessarily going to be the 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 optimum situation. I want you to understand music and the gift of music and what that is. Right. So that's what we, that's been the goal. And it's been amazing to see you develop as a musician at Compass Church. By the way, I am Tim Jacobs, lead pastor of Compass Church in Goodyear, Arizona. I invite you to come out and see us and meet these guys in person because they really are doing a tremendous job. We have other pastors as well, but I wanted to grab these two guys. Mike, I want to continue with you and I want to get into briefly your personal story because you, just as Gabe had, he kind of had some some crisis points in his life uh, that really were defining moments for him. You had one about eight or nine years ago. And uh, tell us briefly about that. Well, um, Ginger and I had our first daughter. She was born at 24 weeks gestation, which is um, essentially four months premature. Um, She weighed one pound, eight ounces. And, uh, you know, minus all the medical terms, she was not um, expected to survive. And if she did, um, she had 0% chance, frankly, of being normal. So as you can imagine, that was a very... Mm. um, a surprising, out of the blue, um, difficult time for us. And so, and you told me at one point that they had never had. Yeah. So t- tell us about that. Well, we, we had a, as we were leaving, it was sort of a, 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 an interesting conversation as we were leaving the hospital four months later with a healthy child. One of the nurses on the way out who'd been there um, for a significant period of time, I don't remember the exact amount of years, looked at um, my wife and said, I've never seen a child leave this place as healthy as she is with as sick as she was when she started. Mm. And you, you had told me at one time, because here you are in the hospital and, and little Lexi, she was not expected to survive. No. Yeah. In fact, the doctor, yeah. what did the doctor say to you? Uh, well, there was a situation that happened where um, basically in right after she was born, the doctor came to us and said, she's not responding to our treatment. Um, we'd like your permission to let her go. 
And um, I said, well, is she still alive? And he said, um, yes. And I said, well, that's not my decision or yours. It's God. You just keep doing what you can. And uh, so essentially they went back and began to work on her and her, um, she became to, she began to respond. And um, so doctor, the doctor was angry with you. Yeah. Time. So what happened was, is we're walking down the hall after she's been stabilized and we get back into the NICU and he turns around, puts his finger in my face and says, um, I told you a time like that would come and you made the wrong choice and you're going to have to live with it. And uh, it was funny. I actually made a fist. Mm-hmm. As nice of a guy as I am, I made a fist and I, I was ready to hit this guy. And I thought, you know, I need him. So yeah, I don't, I don't you take the, if you yeah. take out the doctor, right, right, that creates a vacuum. But yeah, it was a very emotionally charged moment, and he was not happy with us because she was so sick. Mm-hmm. And what did that experience do to your faith? It was really indescribable to say. Um, I, I just remember this one one moment where um, right at the beginning we were in the hospital just sort of being surprised by all the information. We didn't know we were going to be there. We didn't even know there was anything wrong. And about two days into it, um, doctors came in and just basically said there's very little chance that this ends well. Um, and uh, so they left the room and, and there was some family there and, and we began to pray. And I'll never forget the words that my wife prayed. Um, that it, basically what she said as she closed her eyes is she... She said, God, um, we give our daughter to you and whether she's, she's mm-hmm. yours and whether mm-hmm. she's better off in your arms and with us or mm-hmm. your arms and actually in your arms, we surrender to that. And I just, I was blown away by that prayer. It was such a beautiful thing for a mother to say. It was just mind boggling, especially through that whole situation. So to answer your question, um, all that we could do and all that we had was faith in God. See, and that's the thing. And again, not, and, and. Every, pe- people listening to this now, they know that not every one of those stories turns right. out well. And Lexi is now beautiful. She's nine years old. Nine years old. Nine years old. She's she has she's totally normal. Per- reading at a fifth grade level. Yeah. I mean, in fourth grade, she's and per- she yeah. just gets cuter every day. <laughs> and you're gonna have to you know shine up the shotgun. Yep. And get that ready to go. But uh, but that's that that's a wonderful story of of how God provided in a way that you'd hope that he would. Right. But he doesn't always do that. Correct. But the point is, and it was we were talking with with Gabe about his story as well, but he when when we depend on him, yeah. we what we want, at least the outcome we hope for and pray for is that there is life. And you have a culture really that oftentimes says that life is expendable and that well, if this one, if this, if it, the child doesn't isn't perfectly formed, or if there's these these issues in the womb, and we don't want to have to deal with this, and you guys are fully prepared to deal with potentially a life the lifetime of, of challenges with Lexi, yeah. but you still said, God, we want the life to endure. Right. We want we want to see until you take her, and and these are these are heavy things to carry yeah. as as a young man and as a young woman. And I want to talk to both of you guys about this because both of you got married young, right? <laughs> how old would you? How old were you, Gabe? I was 21. 21? 21. 21. And so you two, um, fairly look good looking, fairly men, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> qualify they, that. Yeah, we'll yeah. qualify yeah. it. Uh, but I, I do know, I think both of you guys are, are, uh, are nice looking gentlemen, not compared to me. It's difficult to, to really have yeah, a standard. It's hard to tell on the radio with Tim's, you know, he's yeah. like six, four chiseled yeah. out of granite. I've got a face made for radio. That is for that is one thing for sure, <laughs> and so. But with you guys getting married young, I mean, you could have you could have blown your twenties on uh, wine and women and all kinds of stuff. Uh, are, do you, do, you, do you have any regrets getting married at twenty one? Not not at all. No. Not a single one. Um, 
I, I think what's really powerful about the gospel, and I, I don't want to derail us, but this is the thought that came to my head. I was talking to a guy, and he, we were talking about what God sets up. And what's crazy about it is what God sets up when you think of a marriage and things, when you really think about that, that is a thousand times better than anything else that could be offered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might be, you know, you think you think about like, for me, I'm in a, I'm in a marriage, I have a kid, I have a house, I have a, life cannot get much better than that. Yeah. And you think about the, the fleeting pleasures of whatever, that's not going to give me the legacy and the things that I have are just so much deeper, so much greater. And, and when you really compare the things, it's not even close. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Um, you think about, I, oftentimes in my life, I've, I've looked in the mirror and you're like, man, what would you have looked like? And what would you have been like if you weren't a Christian? Because I know my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, we preach um, in student ministries a lot about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness and, and just the options you have before you. We even had a Phoenix police officer come in at one point um, and just share some pictures of students because he basically, his, his whole position was, I'm here because there's people who make choices not to follow God. Anyway, the reason I'm saying this is, um, you know, I really look back on my life and, I, and, I, and I'm so thankful for the moments um, that I chose to follow God's way and not another, um, because, like Gabe was saying, I, there's just there's just no other way to. I'm so happy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yes. my wife, my kids, my house. I get to work with these guys here, um, both very good looking, good looking men, by the way. I don't know what we're trying to say. These guys are these guys are handsome. Um, Who you you too? Oh, thank you. Yeah, sorry. But but you what you hit on was the fact that. And neither one of your marriages. I mean, my our marriage, my marriage, my wife isn't perfect. No. We're no, real. We're real guys. Yeah. We we're real people. You, you know, we don't have this halo around our heads. We don't have this other dimension of existence or understanding that 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 the that another Christian does not. Right. We have issues, but that life is so much better than the alter, uh, the alternative of not following Jesus. And I'm saying that, that if you don't get married, you're not following Jesus. But an idea of saying, you know what? My value now is basically I'm going to be about me. And so I'm going to I'm gonna do what a lot of guys do. I'm going to you know sleep with some women, live for myself. And then when I'm ready to kind of settle down, when I'm ready to get serious about life, and I'm ready to, you know, then I guess I'll just kind of have to pay the piper. You know, I'll have to get a job or I can make some decent money. And then I got to have a couple kids because that's what you kind of got to do. But you guys chose early on. And what you found is exactly what we talk about on this show. Cause we talk about life 360, Jesus came and said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full so that what you're describing are dimensions of fulfillment, that you can't fast track. Yeah. You can't, you can't short circuit those things. You start off on this journey and all of a sudden now here you are 30, 31, you're coming up on being married 10 years, 11 years, 12 years. And the, 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 as you, both you and your respective wives are following Jesus and the best you can, not being perfect, but you go through dimensions of depth and understanding that you could, you didn't even know you didn't know. Right. right. Yeah. And I would say too, you know, it's not that when you ask that question, it's easy to take our responses and go, oh, well, they, there's just no temptation. The temptation's there. It's yeah. just when you compare them long-term, the temptation really isn't, it, it's not, it doesn't have much to offer right? in comparison. It's like that, you know, C.S. Lewis quote where he talks about you, you, you can't even, it's like our imagination is too small. Mm-hmm. What we desire is too small. And that's the real problem. If, if we really understand the good things that God has for us 
it's it, they don't even compare. It's like a kid eating mud pies in a dark alley. Can't imagine a, a vacation at sea. And my, and exactly. And I just for so our listeners understand, there is not a conversation that you can have with Gabe Legaspi, worship pastor at Compass Church, <laughs> where he will not reference either C.S. Lewis, Robbie Zacharias, or Homer Simpson. That's right. Yep. Simpsons up there with with those guys. You know, three icons. <laughs> Of wisdom. That's right. That will endure beyond our lifetimes. Absolutely yep. sure. But 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 you're but you're right. And and there are these dimensions that we don't even realize that I've experienced in my own marriage because you and you're right, because we don't think big enough. Here's what oftentimes we think. Well, we're gonna get we're, we have to be with one woman, wake up next to one mm-hmm. woman, and she's gonna get old. Mm-hmm. And then you know, we're gonna get older ourselves. And that's all the options that you have. And we don't, we actually, what doesn't cross our mind is the fact that maybe God wired it this way, wired the world this way and told us to do this because this was the best of all possible outcomes. Yep. Yeah. But we don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too, and maybe Michael, get your take on this because we've talked about this in the past and I've shared this in church even just kind of in a joking manner, but also in a very serious manner because growing up in church, they messed with my head a little bit. Because here I am, 15, to go to church camp, and on the one night they tell you, do not have sex until you're married. They're like, great, great, that's good. You know, we got to really drive that home. Then they say, you know, you need to be wise, and then, you know, your parents and other people will tell you, well, don't get married until you finish college. And then, and then you, you know, you go back to church camp and they go, and by the way, Jesus is coming back in six months. <laughs> so like you're 15 years old and you hear, don't have sex yeah. till you're married, don't get married till you're done with college, and Jesus is coming back in six months. And you're, you're just kind of tweaked. You're like... I, what are they trying to tell me? Because I know what's going on inside my body. I know what I want to do, and and yet we were telling kids you have to, you know you, we want you to remain sexually pure, and then all throughout your your high school, your college, post college, until you find the right woman, until you have enough money, until you have your career. And we've had conversations like this before. You guys got married at twenty one. Were you ready to get married financially? No, <laughs> no, <even> <laughs> uh, absolutely not. You know, it's funny. Um, one of my favorite parts about being a youth pastor, especially now I've been there for a while, is is being involved in the lives of some of these um, young students who grow up and get married. And mm-hmm. um, we literally ha- have had conversations with students who are dating um, adults now, college, I call them students, but... Um, they are adults dating adults. They're adults dating they're adults. They're not students yes. dating adults. Right, but they're, my, they're students because that's what they've always been to me. Gotcha. But we have these conversations, and I guess that's important to clarify, but <laughs> we have these conversations um, because really they're quite confused. Um, they're in love. They're having a hard time staying pure because they're in love, um, but they're being told by their parents and whoever that you need to wait, wait, wait. Well, the, really the conversation needs to go back to this, this very simple thing. What honors God? Mm-hmm. What honors God? And and if if and my mom said this once, it was so smart, and I've just carried it with me. She said, there comes a point in every relationship where you break up, have sex, or get married. Mm-hmm. And if you're asking the right question, and you're at that point as a couple, a Christian couple, where you're like, man, we can't wait anymore. We, we've been in love for a couple of years or whatever it looks like, and, and we're, we're, we're having a hard time. Then let's be honest, um, you either need to break up or get married if you're going to honor God. And so it's been really neat to have that um, conversation with some, with some kids. And, um, you know, we had that conversation with a young couple and 
few months ago and had the privilege of doing their ceremony actually this Saturday, and they're out on their honeymoon right now. And uh, they were get, they were trying to put that marriage off for two years. And see, I think I think that what happens is, and as as a parent of a fourteen year old, and realizing that you know sooner than I think or so they tell me these kinds of issues will come in my own life, and you want the best for your child, yeah. but at the same time, I haven't met a lot of you know homeless couples. Who, when you when you ask them why they're out in the street, they say, "Well, you know, we just got married and we we just couldn't afford anything, yeah. and and now we're out on the street." You don't really you don't really see that a whole lot, and I think there's a there, that fear really is unwarranted in a lot of ways. Now, here's what the other side of it though. What's challenging is because so many people, so many kids grow up in broken homes or in homes that maybe are intact, but there's just not a lot of connection going on. I think it used to be where the family was much more involved just in, in the light and families knew each other, right. especially in maybe more when kind of small town America. And so you could actually, you know, you, you could have a kid that was a teenager and you could start spotting going, you know, I see this, these family, not that you're arranging the marriage, but when the guy brings the girl home, so to speak, there's some awareness of the family background into some sense and not, and not in every situation. But I think that a lot of times when you look at, at marriages, it, it helps very much to have that approval of the family. One of the reasons we do weddings is because yeah. we want family and friends to show up because they're basically saying, I approve of this relationship. And in some sense, I'm going to support this relationship. This couple's not going to be on their own. And I wonder if we could just, as the church, and again, talking about the value of the church, if we could do a better job as a church in encouraging couples in their 20s to say, you know what? Um, get married, but we're not going to just leave you out on your own. We, we want to continue to provide ways to help you as a young married couple because you're going to have financial difficulties. Right. And you're going to have, maybe there, maybe as, as young people, you haven't really thought through all the issues that have happened in your life yet. They're going to maybe determine why you do sometimes the things that you do. But we want to walk with you through that yeah. because as you said before, you're, you're not, it's, it's, for a lot of people, it's like, look, either I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break up or I'm going to have sex, which I know God doesn't want me to do, but a lot of people mm-hmm. say, well, it doesn't matter. And the reason they say it doesn't matter is not because of their interpretation of the Bible. It's because for them, it's just too difficult. This is how God made us. And it's not wrong as long as, you know, and they fill in the blank. But the truth of the matter is God wants us to not have sex outside of marriage. Right. That's just, but we make it sometimes as a church, we, we put these heavy loads on our young people um, by putting these restrictions on who, on when you should marry and what levels and that kind of thing. Gabe, what are your thoughts on that? I think... I think, too, a lot of times, if we just understood that marriage is a choice and that it's not an emotional thing, you can, and as long as the people who are getting married understand that and are willing mm-hmm. to commit to that, that's really what's important. You know, you, if you try to wait to line up things and go, well, when I'm financially set, you may wait for forever. But if you say, I understand that I'm taking on the responsibility of somebody else other than myself and I'm going to work hard, that has a little more weight to it. And it's not just about making a quick decision, but it's about understanding that decision and that choice. Whereas if marriage is just an emotional thing, where mm-hmm. you feel like you're in love, that's when that's when those marriages go south. Oh, they got married too young. No, they just got married not realizing it was a commitment mm. and that they had to work at it. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely. It is a choice. And it's something that because, because the emotions of love are going to ebb and flow. Right. Aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they just are. And it's amazing to me, and it's, uh, you guys know this, that in our church, we'll have couples. And th- th- it's funny because it's not the, there's a couple times there's the couples that are, their, you know, they're 23, 22. But you know what it is? It's the couples in their 50s. The couples in their, there was a guy who came to my office one time. This was years back. He was like 68 years old. 
And he says, you know, I'm going to leave my wife. And I, and I, and I'm looking at him and I said, like, what do you, you're 68 years old, dude. Like, what do you hope to, are you trying to get a better one? Because, you know, no offense, but you're kind of getting up there yourself. What, you've invested years and years and years of your life into this marriage. And now you're going to get rid of her. You don't want to work on it. He told me flat out, I don't want to work on it. I'm leaving her. And you're going to go out and you're going to try to find somebody better. So a lot of times these marriage problems are things that we're seeing people in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s. And yes, sometimes it is in their 30s, but it doesn't, it, in other words, just because you're young doesn't, doesn't automatically mean you're going to have marriage problems. Because I think a lot of times it's the attitude. It is that idea of, of is my marriage really for the glory of God? And am I going to have that commitment to fidelity? I'm going to have that commitment to, to that long term and realizing. And I never forget this. I remember Jack, um, Jack Nicholson, uh, you know, of uh, As Good As It Gets and The Shining. Classic. and Yeah. yeah good guy. Um, guy that sits in the front row at the Los Angeles Lakers games all the time. I'm from Los Angeles. And so I think of that. And But I remember a long time ago, he was interviewed. And, and at the time, he had bought two houses next door to each other and he would just kind of walk back and forth between the two houses and he never got married. And they asked him about it and they said, do you regret it? And he says, well, he says, as I get older, I guess I do because I guess if I had, would have had someone, then uh, our memories at this point in my life, our mem- we'd have another person whose memories would be entangled with mine and, the, and our lives would be tangled up together. And I don't have that. And it was a really kind of a sad statement of regret on that. And so again, you can't fast track those things. And I, I think I would just encourage couples who, who are Christians, who are young and who are dating. Yeah. Don't, and it's, I'm not saying go out to Vegas and get married because in a sense that almost, that's the opposite because that's where I'm not, I'm not soliciting my parents help or advice. I'm kind of, it's almost a rebellious thing because it's like, well, we're going to do what we're going to do. And we're going to have nobody in our wedding pictures except for Elvis. And, and that's, and that's going to be our story. And, and, and people do that. I, instead, I'd rather almost say to the parents of these kids, you know what? Be honest and acknowledge of the fact that you, you have a 20 or 21 year old or 19 year old even or whatever. They, they're not exactly doing things the way you wish they would have done, but they are in love and they, they can probably figure it out. But what they need from you is support. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you've done lots of weddings. Mike's done lots of weddings. I've done lots of weddings. What's the thing you do? You get people together and you say, we are here before God. Mm-hmm. And before all of you today, it's the idea of making a choice and a commitment that has weight to it yeah. and saying we, but it's a statement declaring, we're going to stick this thing out no matter what. That's the idea of the whole thing. Absolutely. And it's so important that you guys as men are making these kinds of statements. You guys are husbands, your fathers. I want to ask you a few more questions and, and, and your pastors as well. And again, by the way, this is Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. I am Tim Jacobs. And I am, in addition to being the host of this program, I'm also the senior pastor of Compass Church in Goodyear in the Wild West Valley. CompassChurchAZ.com is our website. Please join us any Sunday, whether you are a Christian, a non-Christian, a skeptic, whether you don't believe in God because you're mad at him, whatever the case is, uh, I want you to come to Compass Church because I think you're going to find an authentic 
authentic group of men and women kind of like this. And uh, I'm talking with two of the pastors on our staff, two guys who break the mold of what a pastor should be. They dress well. They uh, they didn't get perfect grades in school and they didn't go to school for a while, but they got they brought it back around and, and did, at least one of them. And uh, no, they've got great, they've got beautiful wives, beautiful kids, and, and they are doing everything they can to follow Jesus. In the remaining moments that we have, I want to talk briefly about man school. Um, and sure. Gabe, tell us what we're developing there. So we, we saw that we wanted to do something for men to help guys who uh, feel disconnected, who want to learn some skills. We just want to challenge men to be better men because we think if we can do that, um, we're going to make better families. We're going to make a better community. We're going to make a better culture and society. So we started developing this idea, and I kind of stole it from some things that I had read between um, Mansfield, who you interviewed, and between um, some articles on the website Art of Manliness. And I, we decided to say, let's let's create something where we teach men some skills. Maybe some, some of these guys are guys like me who grew up without a, a dad figure around in my younger years or whatever, and teach them some skills. So we started putting together, and Tim, you were with me, we started putting together some classes that we thought would be some fun things for men to learn and then try to create some sort of rite of passage that would be kind of a, a, a marker in their life. And so what we're talking about with man school is it's not just... Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with men's Bible studies. Nope. Right? Men's Bible studies are great. Fantastic. And you, you, you go to Denny's, and we actually have a group that does that. And you go to Denny's, you eat some eggs, you know, you tip the waitress really well, hopefully, and and uh, and you, you you hang out, you, you talk about books. Right. But we're not often doing a whole lot of stuff. This is the goal of man school. The goal is for men to be amongst men doing manly things. Yes, because we're trying to fill in the gap. Because as much as you guys, um, I... I I think are manly men, actually, believe right. it or not. Um, but as much <laughs> yeah. as you guys are, are, but but we're, but we're I'm, I'm on this journey as on the journey as well. I had an amazing, still have an amazing father, and I've learned so much from him. But I also, you know, recognize the fact that my growth as a man needs to continue to develop throughout my life. And and there are things, a lot of things that, that he taught me that I didn't really learn very well or with things I wish I could go back and learn again. That that and if we you know we talked about Mansfield's book earlier and if one of the one of the goals of, of manliness is to tend your field and right. that's what you men are doing in your husbands as your husbands and, and fathers is to tend your field. You can't do that if you don't know how to do right. that. So we've yeah. developed some classes. Some of them are just funny, fun stuff that maybe isn't Super useful, but they are useful. Like we, we might do Brazilian jiu-jitsu in one of the classes. That's useful. That's useful. Not everybody's going to get in a fight, but hey, you want to know how to protect your family, things like that. Uh, we have things like um, how to just do basic car repairs, how to uh, do home improvement. How do you change out a toilet in your house? Things like that. Exactly. Uh, and shooting as well. Yeah, we gotta, we're going to have a home defense class. We're going to have a cooking, grilling class, man cooking, you now know, this burning is, and things. And this is not something like we're not, we're not telling everybody they got to grow a beard and, and, you know, but tattoo you can you their want. face yeah. and, but you can if you want and buy a motorcycle. Although, you know, if you do, that's fine that's too. I mean, tattooing your face is probably kind of a little bit out there. We don't yeah. really, 
But uh, but you but you you're kind of on a journey in this in your own life as well. I mean, you recently did the Go Ruck Challenge. Yeah, the Go Ruck Challenge is really cool. If you haven't checked that out, check out GoRuck.com. You can do these events, and and the whole thing. I I did it when I turned thirty. I wanted to do some sort of experience that I knew would be difficult. Yeah. So they get get you out there. You have to carry a ton of weight in, on your back, and you have to do push-ups, and you have to get in cold water, and you have to do all. It's kind of these uh, special ops guys come out and just abuse you for about fourteen hours. Why did you do that? I just wanted to do something that I knew would be hard that I would have opportunities to quit, but I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You were just, testing yourself. I just wanted to test my metal kind of thing. And so I just went through it. Man, it was tough. One of the toughest things I've ever done. Uh, but a blast when you come across that, they give you this patch and it's it's as, as small as that little thing is when mm-hmm. you get it. It's It puts this feeling of accomplishment into you. You can't buy these patches on eBay, but if, well, you can, but you if can. you do, you are a wuss. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like buying a trophy at Good, Goodwill, you know, you can't. Like a bowling trophy. Yeah, you can't yeah. really claim that as something you earned. Right. <laughs> so those of you that have bought bowling trophies at the Goodwill, we just have no respect for you. <laughs> Come on, come on now. You know, but man, school is kind of like that. Where it and and Mike, we're, we're even hoping to get our our high school students involved, our high school men yeah. involved in it as well, yeah. because a lot of a lot of them, you know, rather than saying, and no offense to you, Gabe, but yep. you know, video games is not does not really make you a man. Nope. Right. Um, if you're going to take care of a woman someday, and if we're talking about this, if you're going to take care of a woman, maybe at a relatively young age, you got to know what it means to be a man. Right. And we want the church to be the driver of that. I mean, we, we can't teach you everything. We can only teach you what we know, but right. the church should be the place where, where men come and they feel like, you know what, I can become more of a man if I come here. You know, you guys, it has been awesome and I can't believe how quickly the time has flown by here. But... I think one last question for you, Mike, as you look at, at your high school students, what, what do you hope that they, that they graduate learning, understanding? What do, you, what do you hope that they graduate with um, more than anything else? Well, honestly, we hope that they graduate with um, what we like to call a, a um, practicing lifestyle of following Jesus. And it's the whole idea that it's not just something that... Um, <clears throat> they've heard about in church, but something they're actually doing, it's all about action. Um, in fact, we have a program after, after graduation where we like to bring high school graduates back in. Um, we, we like to look at them as useful instead of just saying, hey, you've graduated, move on to the next thing. We say, well, you know, let's put you to use. Let's have you disciple junior hires. Um, it, to us, it's not just about um, saying you have a faith. It's about living it out and doing things yep. because that's part of the reason that we end up staying um, in our relationship with God. Yep. I want to say one last thing about our church and what how we describe it, and I think we've hit on these words just in the last little bit here, is action. We describe our place as being a place that lives the kingdom in an adventurous, radical way, mm-hmm. and that's that's what we want to be about. So the whole man school thing, the whole student ministry, everything we do is about doing things. Right. It, it is, and you know what it's also about, guys? It's about really taking the Bible seriously. And, and I want like the vision that I have for what we're doing is I, I want men and women to, to really take the word of God seriously and say, we're not going to just say, well, it's too hard to do this in the culture now. So we're just going to pretend that it's not there. We're not going to turn into a bunch of sissies who just so, well, you know, the tide of culture is too strong that we're going to live it out. And by the way, here's the thing. When we live it out, it's beautiful mm-hmm. because the way you guys are committed to your wives and your kids is amazing. It's uplifting. It, it brings evidence of the existence and love of God the way you guys as pastors 
are living out the gospel each day in what you're doing. That's why it's a privilege to serve with both of you guys. And so, with that said, I want to let everybody know you've got to go to Life360 with Tim Jacobs. Like the Facebook page. You've got to visit Compass Church at compasschurchaz.com. And remember, no matter what you are dealing with in life, stand up, be bold, have faith that can move a mountain. Because Jesus came that you could have life and have it to the full. I'm Tim Jacobs, and I'll see you next week.